0: Hi, my name is Carly, and welcome to Arise's Sermon of the Week. We hope that you experience God as you listen to this message and that you find practical ways to be the hands and feet of Jesus within your community. So, let's open up our spiritual ears as we listen to this message.
1: Hey, what's up, Risers? How's everybody doing? So, I have done extensive research on this. I'm just telling you in advance. If you try to clap while your arms are folded or in your pockets, you will beat yourself to death, okay? So I'm seeing some of you right now, you're like, yeah. you'll just hurt yourself. Hey, just try that again. How are you guys doing, risers? Y'all, y'all got to be with me this morning. Hey, if you're new here, my name is Brent. I get the privilege of being your lead pastor. Everybody watching us online, I know we got a lot of people that are out of town right now for the holidays and Christmas specifically this week. And, and uh, then there's some guests here this morning that are uh, friends and family of folks that attend to rise. Welcome to all of you. My name is Brent. I get the privilege of being your lead pastor. And we're gonna continue to experience God together today. And we wanna celebrate as we get started. Uh, there's always a lot to celebrate around here. Uh, but you just saw a little groups video. I wanna be able to tell you that in the first week, we had 146 people. People sign up for groups yep that's exciting times exciting stuff uh, and so right off the bat but it's still going on for three more weeks and we need a lot more people to sign up we are all in for groups coming in January you'll hear more about that next week uh, so make sure that you jump into groups uh, also if you gave in last week's uh, legacy offering uh, between our campuses we raised uh, just over $21,000 last week that's awesome thank you for that And all of that gets given away. And some of that was just this week. Uh, You know, normally we do angel tree this time of year, but with COVID going on, uh, we're not allowed and the school system wasn't allowing it. And there was a lot of um, question marks about it uh, with with just COVID. And uh, kind of last second, they reached out and said, hey, can you take these kids? And we said, yeah. And then like they reached out again and said, all right, we got 20 more. And we said, yeah, I said, we got another 20. And we're like, okay, we take them all, give them all to us. And, uh, and so we were able to uh, buy and give away over 60 gifts this week. Uh, and I thought that was really beautiful too. That's all part of your legacy giving. So um, uh, believe it or not, there was a time when I had hair and I was cool. And I used to be a youth pastor back in those days. And uh, when I was a youth pastor, we used to take a lot of trips I try to get Pastor Kieran and Erica to do trips uh, because like we used to go whitewater rafting and, uh, you know, snow skiing and Six Flags over Georgia and stuff like that. And uh, I try to get Pastor Kieran to do it, not necessarily because the teenagers need the experience, but because I want a chaperone. I'm like, I wanna go whitewater rafting and you can go and I'll just come with you and help take care of the kids. More parents will come because they trust me, right? They'll they'll let the kids come. And um, so he never does it. But but we used to do that stuff a lot back in the day. So one year uh, when I was youth pastor, we decided we're gonna do a Six Flags Over Georgia trip. All excited about this trip, I'm hyping it up to the teenagers. Guys, you got to come on this trip. It's going to be so much fun. The roller coasters at Six Flags are amazing. They got this whole area that's Gotham City. It's like Batman area, and they got a Looney Tunes area in and in a DC Comics area, like Superman Metropolis whatever area. It's so much fun. They got the Superman coaster. You lay down and you, and, I, and, I'm, and I'm explaining all this to them, and everybody's getting all hyped about it. So they sign up. Uh, meanwhile, I reach out to Six Flags and said, "Hey, uh, we're coming with a group of teenagers, and uh, you know, I need to, to to get the tickets and and." I told them the exact date. This is important for the story, by the way. I told them the date that we were coming, and they said, okay, and, uh, and I paid, we paid for the tickets online, our secretary did, and, and had them sitting there, they're gonna be at will call, and we're like, all right, we're going, and everything's exciting, and the day finally comes, we jump in the van, we're going up there, we listen to, to Bill Cosby comedy all the way up there, forget what you might think about Bill Cosby, his old stand-up stuff was hilarious and clean, and, uh, and so we're listening to all that up there, Spend the night at my sister's house the next morning we're gonna spend the whole day at Six Flags so we get these kids up way before they want to get up. Take them the two hour drive or something the rest of the way to go up to Six Flags. You know, stop at the stop at the McDonald's on the way for breakfast for everybody so they don't have to pay the Six Flag prices and everybody is stoked. And I'm going, You're gonna love this place, man. You superman roller coaster. You're going like this. Ah, it's gonna be awesome. And we get back in the van, we're going, and as you get closer to Six Flags, you can see the roller coasters, you know, from the interstate. And then I'm going, look at that! That's an awesome roller coaster right there. Who wants to ride that? The whole van's going, Yeah! In fact, if you look in this picture, Pastor Josh is in some of these pictures. He was one of our youth leaders. He's a skinny one back then. And, uh, and, 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 and he's all excited, and everybody's all hyped, and it's going to be awesome. And you see the rides, and, and, and we get there, and we're like first thing, right? So it's like right when they open. So, so we're getting off the interstate, and when you get off the interstate, you can see the parking lot. And I'm like, look, the parking lot's empty. That's awesome. Nobody's here. First one's in line. Some of you are getting where the story's going. So we we get off the interstate and we pull into where you would pull into the park. And there's a line of cars pulling into where, you know, the little circle roundabout thing where you would go into the park, turning around and coming right back. And I'm like, ah, what's this about? This is not good. So we pull up and there's a security guard up there uh, uh, who's standing there saying, listen, today is the day that Six Flags closes for the school year, except for on weekends. I told them the date we were coming. If you went back to their website and looked for it, you had to like, you had to strain to find it. It was there, but you had to go through like multiple pages to find. We just took all these kids, a van, it might've been two vans, I don't remember specifically. Took all these kids, seven hours away, told them they're going to to Six Flags, and then you're saying, we can't do it. I had that moment. Anybody remember National Lampoon's Vacation? The original Chevy Chase, Wally World, taking the family. I thought, I could go get a BB gun, and we could make this thing happen. Um, but then I, you know, knew the assemblies of God would take away my credentials. And so I said, I better not do that because uh, one day there's this church called Arise. I'm going to need a pastor. And anyway, so I chose not to do that. But then I get this dilemma. I'm like, what do I do with a van full of teenagers in Atlanta? And we'd already paid the money to pay for the tickets, So none of them had any money, you know? And I'm like, what do I, there's a Coca-Cola museum I've heard. You know, it's like, what are we doing? We're here. Ended up going to the aviation museum in Warner Robins. It was fun. Not Six Six Flags. It's really cool to go to, you should definitely go one day. Not six flags to teenagers, but fun. Have you ever realized that sometimes life will take you on journeys where you end up at an outcome and you say, it's not supposed to be this way. This isn't supposed to happen like this. This is not the way life is supposed to turn out. Life will take you on these journeys that you're all excited for only to arrive and find out this isn't what it's supposed to be. And I wanna talk on that subject for a few moments this morning, that this isn't what it's supposed to be. I, I was listening to a podcast with a guy by the name of Gordon McDonald. Uh, he's a retired pastor, very influential in the church world, kind of a man of an extreme amount of wisdom, pastored some large churches, and the kind of person that's a grandfather figure that you just want to sit at his feet and let him just tell stories, and, and you just learn from somebody like that. And, and on this podcast, he had written a blog that had become somewhat famous in the church world, and it was called My View from 80. At this point, I believe he was 82 years old, if I'm not positive, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, But but he was reflecting back on 80 years of his life, and he said this. He said, every decade has a question associated with it. I thought that was interesting. He said this. He said, when you're in your teens, your question is, who am I and who am I becoming? Identity becomes so important. In your 20s, the question is, what am I going to do with my life and with whom? When you're in your 30s, the question becomes, now that I have all, my, all these responsibilities and obligations, how do I manage all these priorities? Can anybody relate to these decades? In your 40s, you start asking the question, am I a success or am I a failure? In your 50s, you ask the question, as I've moved into the second half of my life, who is this younger generation that wants me out of the way and how do I cope with the disappointments of life? All these things I had planned didn't work out. He said, in the 60s, you asked the question, how much longer can I do what defines me? Or am I going to need to change? In your 70s, you asked the question, how do I live with loss? In your 80s, you asked the question, does anybody remember what I once was? Can anyone remember what I once was? I'm not in my 80s, I'm 43 years old now, but I can say that I think this is a pretty good reflection looking back from your 80s of the questions that will be asked throughout the decades. And during that podcast, he said this, he said there in your 40s and 50s, oftentimes you don't accomplish all the things that you think you would have accomplished by the time you get there. And you end up asking this question or saying this statement, this isn't the way it's supposed to be. This isn't the way it's supposed to be. Enter 2020. We stepped into 2020, all of us, now that we're at the end of it now, we have two Sundays left of 2020, this one and the next. We stepped into 2020 with a lot of excitement for the most part, there was a lot of hype, there was a lot of excitement. It was like going to Six Flags. In fact, if you remember the State of the Church Address, for those who are here, we do that again in two weeks, It's gonna be amazing, best message of the year, every year. Don't miss it in two weeks, uh, January 3rd. But we do the State of the Church Address where we share what God has done and where we're going and vision for the future. And you remember last year, I dumped out pennies all over the stage that represented life lives that had been changed, and people were standing on their feet and clapping and applause and excited about the future, and we had just planted our South Shore campus, and it was doing really well, and we are just starting to plant our India campus, and it was doing really well, and there's all this excitement around it, and I'm talking about where we're going in life and where we're going in 2020, and everybody was like, yeah, we can do this. It's going to be amazing, and and I'm, 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 I'm you know, I'm, I'm chest bumping the worship leader and high-fiving the youth pastor and, and you know, spiking my Bible, so to speak, and, and Kool-Aid's coming out of all of our water fountains, because it is beautiful, and we are going to take 2020 by storm, and then, and then we started talking about the vision for 2020, and I said, I said, God has called us to be a pioneering church who creates the future, and, and we're going to be a church that pioneers new trails and new paths, and everybody's like, yeah, we're going to be pioneers. You do know when you pioneer from the East Coast to the West Coast, you hit the Rockies somewhere in the middle? <laughs> I'm not saying we're not pioneering, but that trail goes a lot smaller and a lot shorter, a lot, distant, a lot less distance per day when you start hitting some mountains and some landscape that gets in the way. And we you were all excited about it. Everything was great. We were in this growth posture, man. We were talking behind the scenes. We were gonna to go to three services last Easter and then COVID happened. We were expecting uh, 2,000 people for Easter in our church. Now, to some of you who are newer, you're like, what's the big deal about that? That's kind of cool. You don't understand. Ten years ago, our church was like 70 people. Okay? Uh, we're the 56th fastest growing church in America, and everybody's excited about this thing, and we're moving forward, and it's so cool. And then 2020 started to happen. COVID started to happen, and problems, and situations, and difficulties, and we started to face the world around us. All of a sudden, uh, Kobe Bryant died. And, and then you have these little things that trickle into big things and, and COVID begins to happen. And you start asking, do I wear a mask or do I not wear a mask and fighting with your neighbor over the answer to that question. And all of a sudden school is shut down. and You, you take your kids home and you don't get to send them back. And you're like, I want to send my kids back. Please let me send my kids back. And the teachers are like, no. And So all of a sudden, you're trying to do work from home at the same time because you were kicked out of the office at the same time you're trying to do homeschooling with your kids and that did not work so well for so many parents and so many people lost their jobs and working from home and financial crises are arising and things that are rites of passage were taken away from us, different birthday parties and events, the big ones being things like prom and high school graduation that are rites of passage that you looked forward to and you assumed you would be a part of. Now all of a sudden, you can't do those things and then you run into the racial justice issues that we're facing in America right now, in the murder of George Floyd, and, and the shaking of America, in the politics of America, in this frustration and tension that we have. And, 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 and we knew some of that was on the horizon because you know politics, and you know that an election is coming, but none of us were really prepared for where 2020 was taking us. And as if, 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 as if there wasn't enough storms in the big picture world, there were individual storms in people's lives as you have loved ones who pass away and lives that are changed. And I know in my life specifically, this has been one of the most difficult years we've ever had is, as early on in the new year, we faced a significant family crisis that started going on at the same time that I was facing a significant health crisis that was going on. And then we come through those things. And I say we come through, we're still not totally through any of those things. And you come through those things to an extent, but then you find out that the church has to be closed down and 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 are you going to close are you not going to close what's going to happen and how long is this going to happen and are you going to survive the financial loss and are you going to survive the church through this and we just planted a south campus and then this happens all of these things 2020 arises on the horizon with all of its problems and you can look around and say this isn't what I pictured this is not the way it's supposed to be I mean, I mean, we, we were supposed to be doing a capital campaign this year and get the wind Center built and we were all excited to, to build the wind Center and get the gym built and then Pastor Wynn passes away last week. I know to many of you wouldn't care but it was a very important to me, it was special to me that he be there and we get it built before he passes away. We knew he was uh, elderly and that it wasn't gonna be too much longer but we wanted to build it so he could be there and it could be part of something that's a memory for him and, and then he passes away and I'm finding myself looking around going, this isn't the way it's supposed to be. It's not supposed to happen like that. You know, we all have these unspoken assumptions in life that tell us the way things are supposed to be. And, and if you ever do premarriage counseling, <clears throat> one of the things we often talk about in premarriage counseling is your unspoken assumptions. Because everyone has them, and you do not know you have them until they're unmet. So you assume things are gonna be this way and you're just going to be that way until they're not that way and then you get mad because they're supposed to be that way. So, so like in, in the house you grew up in, you know, mom cooked dinner and dad did the dishes and so you just assumed when you get married your husband was gonna do the dishes. Your husband grew up in a family where they ate out five nights of the week. So he's not even thinking about dishes, he's looking for plastic stuff he can just throw away. It causes tension inside of a relationship that you never even knew the tension was there until there's an unmet expectation. So, so, so marriage does that, but life does that. We have these expectations of life. I'm gonna graduate high school, and then I'm gonna go to college, and then I'm gonna meet the love of my life, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna marry Mr. Right, and, and you know I'm gonna kiss the frog, and he's gonna turn into Prince Charming. Somewhere along the line, you kissed Prince Charming, and he turned into a frog. And I'm gonna have this career. And and they told me that the the career of my dreams would be just waiting at the end of my degree. And it's still waiting 10 years later at the end of your degree. It's still waiting there somewhere. You haven't found it yet. And, and, And life starts happening and you have these plans, these assumptions of how it's supposed to be, only to find out when you get there, it's not that way at all. What do you do when life has situations like that in front of you? You knew how marriage was supposed to look. You, you knew what a good marriage is supposed to look like. Then you find yourself in the one that you're actually in. Everybody knows how to parent kids until they have kids. I was really knowledgeable on how to parent children until I had children. I could tell everybody how to do it. Because you have your assumptions until you hit the reality. The assumption was that you were going to have a financial life that's better than it is right now. The assumption was that your kids were not going to get in trouble, but then you find yourself with them getting in trouble. Your assumption was marriage was going to last till death do you part, and then you find yourself with the other one asking for divorce. The assumption was you would be healthy until you're old, because that's what's supposed to happen. But then in your 40s, that cancer word or that other word starts jumping in, and you find out it's not what I expected Life does that. I really thought at 43, I'm 43 now, I really thought at 43, I would know more than I know today. I never actually said that, I just assumed that. I'm supposed to kind of understand life. I don't even understand my wife, much less life. Come on, gentlemen, I'm supposed to have it figured out. I'm supposed to have more answers than I have, but the truth is I still have way more questions than I have answers. I can't even understand my life, much less everybody else's life. So we end up in this place where our plans don't come to fruition. And we start asking, it's not supposed to be this way. It's not supposed to be this way. There's an old axiom that I believe is true. You can ask God one day. But there's an old axiom that says, if you want to see God laugh, show him your plans. It's not in the Bible, but it could be. Because God always has a different plan than we have oftentimes, or at least least a lot of times God has a different plan than we have. And we make our plans, God completely rearranges them, adjusts them, and ends up working out his purpose amidst our plans. So we're going to talk about Mary and Joseph. That was point one. It's a long point one. We're talking about Mary and Joseph today. To lead into that, what if Mary and Joseph were in 2020? What would that look like? And uh, John Chris made a little video showing what that would look like. And I thought that was relevant to show today before we read the Christmas story and unpack it. So if you would turn your attention to the screens, let's look at what Mary and Joseph Hold on, would look I'm like making a TikTok.
2: Okay, well, Caesar Augustus just issued a tweet.
1: People still use Twitter?
2: Apparently. We got to go. There's a census now? What do you mean? I don't know, we all, everyone has to go back to the man's hometown to be counted. Wait,
0: I thought Fauci banned travel. We couldn't spend Thanksgiving with our families, but we have to take a census now?
2: Okay, a lot of things the government is saying these days don't make sense. I get it, but yeah, I think we just have to go.
0: I am nine months pregnant. It is Christmas Eve. This is not the time.
2: Listen, it's literally not a big deal. I'll get an Uber. Nazareth to Bethlehem is not that far.
0: What? How come we have to go to the man's hometown? Do you think that's a little sexist?
2: Uh, listen, if we're gonna go all the way up there, we should probably spend the night. Let me just- I'm trying to find a hotel. I literally can't find anything. Everything's booked.
0: Use your Marriott points.
2: Everything's blacked out.
0: Okay. Well, I just found an Airbnb. Okay. Looks like it's a rustic barn. A full immersive experience. There are live barn animals. Just think about the photo op. Okay, you, well, me, the baby. Than this sky.
2: No, we're not
0: doing that. So, like, what? I mean, we've got to do something to top a gender reveal.
2: Listen, I'm sorry we didn't have a balloon popping or a confetti cannon or anything. Ours was better than that. We found out we were having a boy because an angel of the Lord oh appeared to me in
1: your a dream. dream.
0: I know.
2: You got know. chocolate on your face. I know. I mean,
0: I it. know, Joe. All right, so what? All right, I'm going to check reviews.
2: Yeah, all right.
0: Five stars. Okay. Woohoo raise the barn roof oh it says the baby has to sleep in a manger but i read on a mom blog that exposure to hay and allergens like isn't good for newborns so
2: are we gonna vaccinate by the way?
0: my parents will not go for that what?
2: my parents said they wanted us to
0: Mm -hmm. New parents
2: okay i don't know what that means you're emotional and you're with child and i'm gonna choose to ignore that. Listen, we'll just go. I'll pack an overnight bag. Let me just go upstairs. I'll get like some swaddling clothes. Swaddling clothes. Yeah. What?
0: hmm well, I read another blog that said if a newborn turns over while it's swaddled, suffocation risks.
2: Listen, I know you're putting a lot of pressure on this. This is your firstborn child. Can you just chill on like the mom blogs for a second?
0: Okay. Gifts. What? Let's think this through. Hypothetically, okay. what if three intelligent males want to. Come and bring us a gift.
2: I mean, where are they coming from? The Far East? Maybe. Just tell them to Amazon Prime it. It's fine. Yeah. Right?
0: That makes sense. Yes.
2: I can't believe we're gonna miss Christmas.
0: Yeah, well... I'm pregnant, and we're just engaged, so... I'm not gonna miss the judgmental stares from the in-laws, thanks.
2: You know, yeah, now, yeah, that makes sense. Now that I think about it, I I think you both
0: there. Oh, my. What? I am going to be posting on Instagram... It's not... From a barn. Don't do that. With live barn animals announcing our newborn child. Think about the likes.
2: Listen, can we just lower the expectations here? You're putting a lot of pressure on this, okay? This kid is not gonna be perfect.
0: Mm -hmm. I think
1: he is All right, Matthew chapter 1, Luke chapter 2. These are two biographies of Jesus we refer to as Gospels. Matthew's a tax collector turned follower of Jesus. Luke is a physician turned follower of Jesus. Both of them taking it upon themselves to write accounts of the life of Jesus. I'm going to use both of them because they have from different vantage points uh, to make the point this morning. So beginning with Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 through 25. This is how the birth of the Messiah came about. His mother was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law, he did not To expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived inside of her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, Tells a little bit same story, but he's going to talk about their travels. And Luke 2, 1 through 7. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree uh, that a census would be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quincy Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David. But he belongs to the house, because he belongs to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him, and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in the manger because there was no guest room available for them. (laughs) All right, point number two, if you're taking notes, this message is not the type that you take traditional notes with, but jump in if you would like to, would be this. If 2020 screamed at us, this is not the way it's supposed to be, so did Mary and Joseph. In fact, I believe both of them were saying this is not the way it's supposed to be. And I wondered, where do we get our expectations for the way it's supposed to be in the nativity story? Where do we get those expectations? Probably from all of the Christmas specials and the nativity that we place on our dining room tables and coffee room, coffee tables. And and we place those nativities there that tell us certain things that may or may not actually be true to the story. For instance, what color was Jesus? Most of your nativity sets, he's probably rather pale looking. You know Jesus is from the Middle East. He's Arabic in in nature as far as his his roots. He's neither black nor white. Uh, Yet we find Jesus around the world shaped in different colors and different complexions and different body types. Uh, Around the world, what you will find is that because Jesus uh, became uh, uh, connected with all people groups, people groups began to form Jesus into their image. So you can go to Africa and you can find a black Jesus and you can go to Europe and find a white. Jesus. Uh, you can go to China and find a Chinese image of Jesus. Uh, you can even go to uh, Alaska and find an Eskimo version of Jesus. That's part of the culture. And, and it's not necessarily that it's wrong. It's the idea that Jesus comes to be part of us and our tribe, our group. And so, but the real Jesus was, was Middle Eastern, and so he was neither black nor white. But, but, but where do we get these ideas from? Was, was, was Jesus silent in the crib? Because that's what the song tells us. Silent night, holy night. But you do know that the song is neither theology nor history. The Bible is not clear about those kind of things. Was, was Jesus, was, is your Jesus sweaty? Because we tend to romanticize and glorify history. And so, so, so the childbirth of Jesus was the most perfect moment in Mary's life. And there was no pain, no stress, no force, no no, no, no sweating involved. The baby just popped out of her womb. Certainly that's the way it happened, because that's the way most of us tend to think about these kind of things. And, and and Mary was certainly not sweaty, because she didn't have to stress. And you know your nativity shows, she's right there, right next to him, bent over, praising God for what he has done. And, and Joseph is right there beside Mary, being so thankful for what God has done. Even the barn animals are kneeling down at Jesus' feet, giving him glory and worship, because they know he's the Son of God. Certainly the barn animals weren't walking around, smelling different things, looking looking for different things, trying to lick the baby. Certainly Joseph in real life wasn't going, get away, you stupid ox. Get away, you donkey, because the donkeys all knelt down. I know because I've seen it in the nativity. Come on, y'all. So I just want to burst some of our bubbles for just a second and tell you the real story of the nativity, because I think it will remind us how sometimes God will move in ways that are so unexpected and what we expect is actually not the way God moves, but it's what we need. So Mary is told by an angel, she's conceived and she's told by an angel that she is now blessed of God. You ever have a blessing of God that you wish you didn't have? So now she's blessed of God and she's singing these merry songs of how great it is. She's at the altar on a Sunday morning and God is good. and He has blessed me and he's given me this child and it's going to be beautiful and awesome. But then she has to go face the real world. How do you tell your daddy that you are pregnant by God? How do you convince mom that that's the way it happened? Because in that culture, dad would usually kick the daughter out of the house. How do you tell Joseph, your fiance, that you love dearly, that you are planning a wedding with, that you are now pregnant and it's not his because it's the Holy Spirit? See, it's all fine and good when you're in the moment in worship and the angel speaks to you and you sing the great Mary song and Elizabeth is going, I believe you, but then you got to talk to everybody else. And so, so, so you find Mary in this place and according to the traditions of the day, hear me, According to the traditions of the day and the Old Testament law, Mary could be stoned. She could be killed for this. You talk about scared? Normally in that day, it would not be uncommon for a father to then kick the daughter out and excommunicate her, for the fiance to then do the same thing. And what would eventually happen is that she would grow up on the streets and would not be able to get a job because she would be an outcast of society because of her sin, her scarlet letter, so to speak. And therefore she would end up becoming a prostitute. What do you do when the blessings of god don't seem like quite such a blessing after you leave the presence of god and so i think mary is looking around this, this story and she's going this isn't the way it's supposed to be it's not supposed to fall out this way meanwhile you got joseph in the story joseph is is an outsider to this whole thing he doesn't know what's happening to mary all he knows is this woman that he loves dearly, that he's planning a life with, that he's planning to get married to and, 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 and serve the rest of his life, that this woman is now pregnant and it's not his. She seems to be honorable, but that's a ridiculous story about the Holy Spirit. So what does Joseph do? Joseph goes and says, hey, listen I'll, I, I, listen, I'll just divorce her quietly. I don't want to cause her shame. I don't want her to be shamed the rest of her life, so I'll just divorce her quietly and act like nothing ever happened and separate myself from her and her sin. And then the angel has to speak into Joseph's life and tell him, hey, what's going on here is really from me. Now, <clears throat> I find this to be an interesting thing because have you ever had a dream that you knew was from God and it touched your life? And then six weeks later, you're going, is that really you, God? Because I really felt it in that moment. But now I'm just going, you know, I have some doubts here. You ever wonder if Joseph wasn't like, yes, God, this is from you. And a month later, he's going, yeah, God, was that, was that really you? Because I know it felt like you, but this is a little bizarre. And the neighbors are looking at me cock-eyed and, and, and I don't think they believe what I believe and I'm not sure how this is working out, God. You know, think about this. Mary knew she had not been with a man. Joseph never knew. He had to take it on faith. Joseph had to have some incredible faith. And so Joseph, who's a planner, he's a carpenter, for crying out loud. Carpenters plan everything, right? they got to measure everything, plan everything. out. He's planned everything out. Now his plans go up in smoke like Cheech and Chong. And now he's looking around going, what do I do now? And he's probably looking up to heaven going, this is not supposed to happen like this. Are you with me? That's Joseph. And then, as if, as if the relationship can't handle a little bit more strain... God decides to allow Caesar Augustus to make this ridiculous decree of a census. Sure, just have a census. Just pack up everything and go back to your hometown and tell them that you're alive. You can't email that in. You can't send a little note with somebody else who's going, no, sir, you have to go back. So they have to walk 70 miles on maybe a donkey or maybe walking 70 miles walking with a pregnant woman who's probably got to pee every five minutes. Come on. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, this beautiful life they had planned, you find out it's not looking so beautiful. And and I don't know about you, but I believe some of the greatest fights you will ever have in your marriage happen in the car. I don't know why that happens. Ada and I can be wonderfully married for two years. Everything's beautiful inside of our house. You put us in a car together on a trip. Some of y'all are laughing because you know this is true. And it usually starts with, oh, I don't want any french fries, I'll just share one of yours. (laughs) I'm kidding, but. But in all seriousness, some of the greatest fights you'll ever have in your marriage happen whenever you're traveling together in the car together and you're trapped together, just you and each other. And I don't know what's happening with Mary and Joseph, but I can only imagine he's going, you really have to stop and pee again really again again we're in the desert Mary do you see any trees to hide behind every time you do this I gotta take all the stuff off and hide you come on Mary you're killing me I can only imagine this just goes on a theater in my mind and so there's this this 70 mile trek that's going on (laughs) and then when they get there like you would think like God would set it up for them to get there and stay at the Hampton Inn or the Holiday Inn Express or at least the motel But they get there and and she's about to have a baby because that's what happens when you walk 70 miles or ride a donkey 70 miles or whatever happens. Come on, pregnant ladies. And so you walk all this distance, you finally arrive, you're finally ready to pop, so to speak. And so where's the hospital? Where's the hotel? Where's something to stay at? And I can only imagine what's going on inside of Joseph's heart as a provider and husband, he's trying to take care of the situation. So he's probably running around hey, hey, do you have any room? Can I stay with you? Can I stay with you? Everybody's saying no. Finally, one person's like, you know, you can't stay with us, but, but you can stay in the barn with the animals. That was not terribly uncommon in that day, but it's not the place you want to deliver a baby at. Now, if I can really mess up your nativity story, when they get there, when we see the word barn, we picture a Barn in Georgia or Texas or somewhere, you know, it's got a it's got a roof and a tin roof and a, and a red a red barn and it looks so nice. Barns at that time period where the stables where they kept the animals were usually caves. So I know your nativity scene shows you this cute little thing because it wouldn't be so cute if it was a cave. But in the middle of this cute little wooden stable, realistically, it was probably a little cave that they're going into. You ever been in a cave? It's musty. Stinky little dirt, you ever been in a cave where animals sleep, where all the dung and all the gunk and stuff is in there from the animals where where you probably have some field rats running around where, where 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 the humidity is in the air everywhere you breathe and you can feel it you ever been i've been in caves in the Middle East we saw somebody healed in a cave in the middle East, and i've been in these places and and, 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 and it's not really where you want to have a child it's not really where you want to be and And so we find them, we find them right there going into the cave where there's probably animal droppings and, and, and and it's completely unsanitary. It's not the place that Mary probably would prefer to have a child. On top of this, as if things couldn't get any better. This is just the way I picture it. It's not in the Bible, but I just picture it this way. He's going back to his hometown, right? He's going back to the town of his lineage. That means he's going back to relatives that you only see once in a while. You know those relatives. Not the close ones that you love that live next to you that you wanna have come over all the time. The ones that you see at Thanksgiving and you're very thankful to see them at Thanksgiving and very thankful to see them off. Come on. And great aunt Bertha's going, Mary, you're holding the baby wrong. You gotta hold the baby like this. This is how you, Mary, you're doing it all wrong. Those relatives, that's just in the theater of my mind. But he's going back so that all of his close relatives are probably not there, but his distant ones are probably all around trying to help. You ever want to help your relative by punching him in the throat anyway? And so all this is going on and I can only imagine Mary and Joseph going, it's not supposed to be like this. This is not the way it's supposed to happen. God, this is your child. You're supposed to take care of your child. You're a heavenly father, for crying out loud. You're supposed to take care of all of this. Yet the greatest hope of the world was given through the greatest hardship that Mary and Joseph would ever face in their life. I wonder what God's trying to give you in the middle of 2020, in the middle of your hardship that we may or may not be receiving because we're too distracted by the hardship. And God interrupts Mary and Joseph's plan to fulfill a greater purpose. So 2020, you're going, it's not supposed to be this way. Mary and Joseph calling out, it's not supposed to be this way. But I think God is calling back to us. This is exactly the way it's supposed to be. I put you in this position to get something through you and out of you. This is exactly the way it's supposed to be. So how do you respond when God interrupts your plans? How do you respond when all of your life is going in the right direction, and yet God interrupts your plans, and you end up frustrated and disgusted and angry and doubting God and frustrated with God? Because sometimes sometimes it doesn't feel good to follow God. Let that sink in. I know you were taught that it's all a worship experience and God's going to rock your world and you're always going to love him forever. And every day with Jesus is sweeter than the one before. But sometimes, if you've been saved very long, it doesn't feel good to follow God. And you're going to have to decide, am I going to keep trekking forward? Am I going to still keep doing the will of God or am I going to back out? Am I going to quit? Because God said, this is exactly where I wanted you to be. And I wonder, what if there's more to the story than Mary and Joseph could see? Neither one of them were theologians. Joseph's a carpenter. Mary's a, you know, a, a young teenager. Neither one of them are theologians. And then I read what Matthew said in verse 22 and 23. He said this, All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. Wait a minute, What? Because to Mary and Joseph, walking through their 2020, none of it made any sense. But through the gift of the Holy Spirit, Matthew says, all this took place to fulfill. All this, what is all this? All this, a virgin conceiving and having to deal with so much inner frustration and difficulty of of excommunication from family. There's a reason she had to go stay with Elizabeth for a while, y'all. I know we like to glamorize it. She had to get out of town for a little while. All of this had to take place. All of this, meaning the travel, the difficulty, the hardship with Joseph, the being born in a stable. All this had to take place to teach us something that God had already preordained to happen and he was just going to use Mary and Joseph to pull it off. Maybe what we scream out, why is this happening? God screaming back, this is exactly the way it has to happen for you exactly. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel. We'll come right back to that in just a moment. And I love this because Isaiah is the prophet that they're talking about right here. And Isaiah can look through eyes of faith and he can see the end from the beginning. Isaiah can look through eyes of faith and he actually sees God's plan compared to Mary and Joseph's plan. Can you look through the power of the Holy Spirit to see what God's plan is, not just yours? We tend to want our plan. We know our plan. We have an agenda. We know what we want. And we don't do a very good job of surrendering our plan to the land. Because I would rather adopt your plan than my plan. And we see that, right? So we have, to be, we have to be people who can see that. We have to be people of faith. Faith is a funny thing. Faith can actually see things that normal people can't see. People of faith can see through spiritual eyes that other people can't see, so they can actually see, like Isaiah did, they can actually see what God's doing behind the scenes that natural eyes cannot see. Therefore, in the middle of 2020, when everybody's losing their mind and frustrated and disgusted and and scared to death and, and walking around in fear of all kinds of things, there can be Christians who are actually looking with eyes of faith, who are living by faith, not by sight, that can actually stand out like a city on a hill to be different from everybody else. Because we're not looking through the natural, we're looking through the eyes of faith. What is God doing behind the scenes? There, there's this thing called hindsight. Sometimes people say, hindsight 2020. Hindsight's 2020. Hindsight means this. When, when I was little, I always thought it was weird, because I'm like, you're looking behind, this is a hindsight, what is hindsight? Hindsight means this. I say this because I know all of you know it except I. Hindsight means this. It means now you're on the other side of the thing, and you can look back over it and understand it. That's really what it means. You with me? All of us have experienced hindsight where you go through something, it makes no sense. You get on the other side of it, you look back and go, oh, well, that's why I had to go through it. That's why we've all experienced hindsight somewhere in the way. In the middle of what you would later call hindsight, it never makes any sense. Not usually. But hindsight says it makes sense. You know what faith does? Faith lets you skip ahead to get to hindsight before you've actually gone, finished the event. Faith lets you skip ahead to see the outcome from the middle where you're at right now. When it's raining, faith says there's a rainbow coming. I can't see it, but I know it's happened before and I know it's gonna happen again. This rain will end and there's a rainbow on the horizon. That's what faith does. If you are walking through 2020 and you are walking through all of the frustrations and you cannot see an out, it's time to open your eyes of faith. It's time to see things the way God sees them, not just the way that we see them. Because God teaches us through these times and, and he doesn't always want it to be over until he's taught us what he's trying to teach us or deliver through us what he's trying to deliver through us. And God's not interested in building your plans and my plans. He's interested in building his purposes here on this earth. And we, but, but, but that's so hard to live and so easy to see. So, so this time of year, we sing, Mary, did you know? and Everybody loves that song. By the way, if you didn't see our Christmas special, y'all need to see that. So good. We sing that was one of the songs I sang. And, and we sing, Mary, did you know? And everybody loves it, and then all the theologians in the room are like, "Yes, she knew." The angel told her she sang a whole song about how this she knew. Yes, she knew. That's the answer to the question. Yes, she knew. But here's the thing. Yes, she knew. But then she had to walk it out. It's so easy to know the truth. It's so easy to know God's in control. It's so easy to know that He is faithful but it can be really hard to actually live out the faithfulness of God and knowing that he is in charge. And that's what Mary and Joseph are walking through in this moment. They know now that this is the son of God. They know that they've been supernaturally called, but now they got to live it out. (laughs) We sing about it. We say, even when I don't see it, you're working, but do you live that out? See, we got to be different. We got to be people who can see it this way. Mary, Mary had an angel. Joseph had a dream. You have the Holy Spirit in the Bible. You have the ability to hear God's voice. You have the ability to walk and talk with God and learn from him in the middle of the trial if we will stop and listen to his voice. Are y'all with me this morning? (coughs) God often gives... Revelation in the most risky times. God oftentimes turns our misery into a masterpiece if we will be obedient to Him. I think all the way back to Abraham and, a- Abraham and Sarah. They thought they're too old to have a child and it's just silly. It's not going to happen. Yet through their, through their hardship, through their time where they were too old, God made a miracle. Think of Daniel in the lion's den. You think of Elijah on Mount Carmel when the whole nation had turned evil and everybody was giving up hope, but Elijah stood up and said, As for, uh, we will call out to the Lord and see who is the real God. I think of Moses who was an outcast. Now he's exiled from his people when God calls him to go back. I think of Noah uh, who was in a time that was so bad that the God was willing to destroy the whole earth except for his family. I think of, I, I think of all these different people. David, who's running from Saul, who's trying to kill him, but he has this call on his life. That's all part of the moments that God is teaching something and showing something and making something. We oftentimes say that crisis is an accelerant for innovation. It is. It's also a moment where God wants to innovate inside of us and allow us to grow, allow us to be different than everybody else that's around us. See, see, you got to see this. See, if you would look with spiritual eyes, there's some things you'll see that other people don't always see. Uh, there, there are little nuggets of faith that God will give you along the journey to keep you going on the journey. Because these are moments of doubt. These are moments where you're going, God, is this really you? God, this doesn't make any sense. God, is this really you? And these moments of doubt begin to arise. And we say, God, and God will give these little, these little nuggets. So what are you talking about? You gotta read the story this way. You gotta see it this way. God speaks to Mary. I'm gonna lose everything. It's all over. I'm going to be excommunicated, God. I'll give you my life, but I really don't want to be a prostitute the rest of it. Joseph's divorcing me. Nugget. The Holy Spirit, through a dream, an angel through a dream, speaks to Joseph. All of a sudden, Mary's faith is fostered a little stronger. Then all of a sudden, everything's going wrong in their family. And And and, and they take this long trip, and it's hard, and it's difficult, and this baby is born in a manger, which makes no sense. God, why would you allow this to happen this way? God, is this really you? And these moments of doubt start to slip in. And all of a sudden now, as they're around this baby in this moment of doubt, all of a sudden shepherds come out of nowhere, talking about, is that that baby the angels were just talking about? Because some angels just joined us out here in the field. They weren't in the field. They hadn't read the story. (laughs) They were still in the nativity. And these shepherds come in. Angels just told us that the Messiah was being born here. Is that the baby? Can you imagine? This, this moment of doubt and frustration getting turned around and going, oh God, you're still in this. I might not understand. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't understand it, you're still working. I may not get it, but God, I, I see that you're still, I don't understand what you're doing, but you're obviously doing something. There are these moments that God will do this for you. If you'll look, even in 2020, even in the midst of your marriage, even in the midst of your relationships and your finances and your job, he'll keep giving you these nuggets if you'll look for them. And then, and then this weird thing happens because you know the wise men weren't there at the nativity. I know they're there in your nativity on your dresser. But even in the Bible, they're not there at the nativity. They come years later. And so, so, so you have a Jesus that's one, two years old, a little toddler Jesus. And Joseph, who probably doesn't have a lot of money, he's trying to support his new young family in a different land and trying to get jobs and all of this. And all of a sudden come knocking on the door. They open the door. And there's three wise men, three magistrates, Three rich dudes bringing a ton of money that said, hey, God sent us all the way from the east to come and and bring this to you. And Joseph's going, I don't know if I can supply this. I don't know if I can supply for my family. All of a sudden, it's a faith nugget. It's this little moment that you're going, okay, I'm still on track. I'm still on track. And you know what? Joseph didn't know this yet, but he's about to be sent to Egypt, and he's not going to have a job, maybe, in Egypt. And there's going to be traveling expenses to go to Egypt. And now, all of a sudden, he's got the money to be able to travel to Egypt. That's how God works. That's what faith does. That's what faith does. And if you look for it, God is always showing you these little things. What is God showing you? What is God showing you amidst 2020? Some of you, my marriage is on the rocks. Yeah, but what's the little nugget that's keeping it there? What's the little thing to say, don't you dare give up yet? You say, say my job, I can't stand my job. But what's the, what's the nugget that says God's still there in the middle of it? He hasn't disappointed you. He hasn't left you yet. He's still there. Because what makes a happy ending is a horrible middle. If you read a book and the whole book is happy, it's not a happy ending. What makes a happy ending is a horrible middle. When you get through the horrible middle, you can quit and it's just going to be horrible. But if you keep pressing, if you keep going, you find that on the other end of the horrible, there's a happy ending. Come on. Come on. But if you're not careful, you will curse what is your blessing. Because you think your blessing is a curse. Because there are moments that the blessing of God doesn't feel like a blessing. Can I just be real honest with you? I am so blessed by God to pastor this church, but there are some moments after 100-hour work weeks that it doesn't feel like a blessing. I say that because some of you are in similar stages. You're like, I'm so blessed to have this job, but after I've been working it for 10 years and dealing with that joker and that, it doesn't feel like such a blessing anymore. There are moments where if you're not careful, your blessing will feel like a curse and you'll actually curse your blessing and you'll walk away from it. What if Joseph had walked away? What if on mile 69 of the trip, he said, I've had enough of this, Mary. I'm out. I'm done. I'm not even sure I believe this anymore. What if he had walked away? Don't walk away from what God is doing. Why? Because all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. It made no sense to Mary and Joseph, but it made perfect sense to God. He had an agenda. He had a plan. It was different than their plan, but he was working it for our good. It's like those, it's like those paintings. Have you ever seen those paintings where they paint something upside down? And I've been in a few. Uh, places where they've done this. They'll come on stage and they they paint and they paint and, and and you're watching the whole thing and you're like, "What is that? What is this guy painting? It's weird." And and they purposely do things to mislead you with their painting and and then and then they get done and you're like, "What is that?" And then they take it and they flip it and that becomes that. And they flip it and all of a sudden you go, "Oh. That's what it was all along. That's what it was." I prophesy to some of you in this room, you will walk through things that make no sense until you're on the other side of it. And you look back and go, oh, that's what it was. Well, I'm glad that happened. That was actually beautiful. It actually was for good, but you can't see it in the middle. That's why we have to have eyes of faith, eyes that can see what other people can't see. So what, what is he trying to say here? Listen, go, go ahead and stand up with me if you would. Verse 22 and 23 again. <clears throat> All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. All this took place so that Mary could birth God with us. We get lost in the details. God's the ultimate chess player moving us around like pawns and knights and bishops and moving us around. God actually understands where it's going. We are usually caught in the details. All this took place so that you could know Emmanuel, so that Emmanuel could be known. What is Emmanuel? God with us. God with us. You, you need to understand you, you got to understand that that out of Mary and Joseph's pain came the world's greatest promise that God would be literally tangibly with us I, 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 you see this that means God is with you during the storm you during the financial crisis that means is God God is with you through all of 22 and all of the hell that you faced God is with you when your husband wants a divorce or your wife wants a divorce. God is with you when you're stuck in a cave having a baby. God is with you when you are like Mary and you are poor and you feel insignificant and you think, why would God use me? And God's going, I'm still with you. God's with you on the journey to have the baby. God's with you when you're as confused as Joseph was. God's with you when life's not fair. Wait, wait a second, wait a second. How about this? We know... That life begins at conception. That's the way most Christians would say it. I think most of you in this room would agree with that. Life begins at conception. Right? We we would agreement? Okay. Life begins at conception. Life begins at conception. Life begins at conception. Not birth. Conception. Not birth. Conception. That means that Emmanuel was there. When Joseph wanted to divorce Mary, (laughs) that means that Emmanuel was there when, when, when Mary's getting dirty looks and has to go visit Elizabeth for a little while. That means that Emmanuel was there when she's walking on the journey in all that 70 miles and having to go to the bathroom every five minutes. That means Emmanuel was there when she's given birth inside of a cave. That means Emmanuel was there all along, even though she can't see it. She could not see him with her natural eyes. She could feel him inside of her. She knew he was there. Can you feel the Holy Spirit inside of you, even as you walk through 2020? Can you sense what God's doing in the spirit realm that you can't just see with your natural eyes? Because what if God wants to birth something beautiful through you in this season? Don't give up on it. See, if you don't understand how he came, you'll never understand why he came. He came as Emmanuel, God with us. Later on in Philippians 2.8, Paul would write, And being formed in the appearance of a man, he humbled himself, becoming obedient to death, even to death on a cross. He came as Emmanuel, God with us. God with us. God with us so that we could understand him, so that we could see him. Not God in the horizons, not God in the clouds, not God that we're trying to figure out, but a God that lived and ate and breathed and taught from his own mouth and you could touch him and feel him and a God who still lives and resides inside of you and I today that is not just a God that's up there somewhere, but a God who is with us that now we can understand him and he can understand us. And out of Mary and Joseph's pain came the world's greatest promise. What's coming out of you in this season? Because we will look at this season and shout to the heavens, it's not supposed to be this way. And God might be looking down going, that's exactly the way it's supposed to be. Find me in it. I started out with this crazy story of going to Six Flags with the teenagers. I spent about 12 and a half, 13 years in youth ministry, uh, Ada and I did before becoming your lead pastor here. Can I tell you a secret? I think the greatest trip we ever took in youth ministry was our failed trip to Six Flags. Ada's laughing, she's smiling, shaking her head yes. It was weird. I got turned around in the parking lot and I'm going, uh, what do we do now? I have no idea. Pastor Josh has a way of turning everything around. If you've ever been around Pastor Josh, I said, all right, let's um, go to an aviation museum. And I watched as these teenagers bonded together in a way they would have never done at Six Flags. Do y'all know what Spoons is, that game Spoons? They played spoons till Ada's fingers were bleeding from playing spoons. And they bonded together. We, we, we played capture the flag outside in the middle of Georgia in the nowhere land of Georgia. And, and they, we bonded together in a unique way that was actually better than the expensive whitewater rafting trips or the snow skiing trips. And the best trip we ever had was the one that seemed to be the worst. What if 2020 is like that? What if that's where you're at? What if you don't need all the success, you just need Emmanuel? What if you don't need all the money? What if you don't need the career? What if you don't need the spouse? What if you don't? What if you just need Emmanuel? And if he's there, it's gonna be enough. Even when I don't see it, he's working. There's some of you in this room and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And God's calling on you this morning. He wants to encounter you this morning. He wants you to give your life to him so that you can follow him. He wants to be physically present with you. He wants you to know him in that way. He wants to be your Emmanuel. Would you bow your heads with me? I don't want to belabor the moment, but if you're in the room and you say, Pastor, I need to give my life to Christ. I need to surrender to him. I want to follow him. Either for the first time today or you just need to rededicate your life to Christ. You need to come back to him. If that's you here this morning and you say, Pastor, I want to give my life to Christ. Would you do me a favor and just stick your hand up and, and wave it at me? I want to pray with you around the room. Amen. 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 Come on around the room, would you pray with me? Say, Jesus, I'm a sinner, and I need you. I need you in my life. So from this day forward, I surrender my life completely to you. I repent of my sins, and I choose to follow you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name. And everyone's shouting, amen. invite our prayer team to go ahead and make their way up front. If you just gave your life to Christ, oh man, I'm so, that's so awesome. I hope uh, it's the most amazing thing you could ever do. Uh, If you would text Jesus to 21777, we have a 21-day devotional. We want to be able to text you. Make sure you tell somebody that brought you, or if you you were brought by somebody, the decision you just made, or if you want to come forward, we would love to pray for you just in a moment at the altars here. Uh, Come see me or one of the pastors afterwards. We'd love to pray with you and walk you on this journey. And it's such a a beautiful thing. But we're going to close like this. As is our normal custom, if you want special prayer for anything this morning, we're going to invite you out of your seat and to come on up front. If you would like to receive communion, uh, it's going to be available on my right and left under the screens. And we invite you to come on up and we have somebody ready to officiate communion with you. But we're going to sing one last worship song. And whether you're coming forward or whether you're just singing and worshiping, let's give God our all. Let's go after Him with everything we have for just a moment. And for all the mess that 2020 has been in so many of our lives, let's just believe that God is still there. He is still Emmanuel. And even when I can't see it out of my own eyes, I know He is still working some stuff. And we want everything that God wants to have come through us, to come through us for His glory and His purpose this year. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Come on, let's worship the Lord. And if you want special prayer, let's come on up front.
0: Hey guys, wasn't that such an amazing message? If you enjoyed it, be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel and to follow our podcast. Also, make sure to share this with your friends on social media and use the hashtag MyAriseChurch. For more information or to give to this ministry, go to myarisechurch.com. I hope to see you guys soon.